This week on Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. You're, you're going to leave that in, right, Jay? <laughs> awesome. Of course right. he is. Do we need to count back? Just leave everything in. What, what editing is this going to do anyway? Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. Welcome to the Post-Adepticon episode for the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Dashesberry. I'm here alongside some of my best buds. I've got David Endless Zelenka. How you doing, my man? Doing fantastic, sir. How about yourself? I'm fantastic. I'm pumped. This weekend was great. Um, We've also got Kyle Orchimedes Dornbos here, uh, who I had the pleasure of spending about 20 hours in the car with this weekend. Uh, Have you recovered? Uh, mostly. I played Imperial Discipline on Monday morning, so. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. It was quite exhausting. Um, so, we had a fantastic weekend at Adepticon. I hope everybody had a chance to watch the, what, 20 hours plus that we live-streamed straight from Adepticon. So, on Thursday, we had a live-stream of the, uh, Clone Wars, release panel, which was fantastic. I think that was about an hour. Um, You can catch me and Jay sort of messing around on there for a little bit. And then later that night, we had a unboxing slash testing video of the new tank and the new land speeder with Luke Cook and Evan Bullris, which was absolutely fantastic. We only played about three rounds because we were super tired and setting up. And then on Friday, we had a, I believe a 10 hour live stream that opened with an interview from Alex Davey of the last chance qualifier Saturday. We of course had another 10 hour live stream of the high command invitational invitational along with Alex Davey for another three hours um, midway through the day. It was pretty fantastic. And our own Kyle Dornbos made worlds. How, how how are you feeling about that? This has been a very long road. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I'm excited. It's uh, it's funny. So all four of my opponents also made top eight. <laughs> so it was like the best possible outcome because they were all also friends of mine, you know, people I had met and interacted with before, although um, at, at least in R1's case, not in person. But uh, uh, it was awesome because, you know, I didn't even like knock anybody else out in the process. Uh, everybody I, everybody I handed a loss to also got an invite. So it's like the best possible outcome. I'm I'm pretty stoked to, uh, you know, go hang out in Minnesota with those eight guys. No post invite guilt is what you're saying. Yeah, nothing on your conscience. I, I didn't crush any dreams. <laughs> it, I I gotta say when I looked at the so for anybody that doesn't know the results are posted up on Tabletop To. I think they're open to the public. Anybody can log. I don't think you even have to log in to see them. Uh, but I looked at your strength of schedule compared to everybody else's. It's like a 0.84. <laughs> everybody else is like 0. 0.6, 0. 0.5, 0. 0.43. Yours is like double most. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's mathematically the highest possible strength of schedule, right? Because all uh, three of my opponents were three and one, and then Kingsley. Uh, who I faced in the in the final was four now. So right. I wow. think that is in fact the mathematically highest possible strength <laughs> schedule. Like the the combination of you and your four opponents, I think the between the five of you, you guys dropped what four games in uh, total. Yep. 
So um, that's pretty incredible generally that you were able to get through that gauntlet and, you know, that's fantastic. Well, they they were all very close games and my opponents uh, played it very tight in every case. So um, were there any like specific events and like instances you wanted to kind of talk about? Um, so my first game with R1 was, um, it was very conservative from both of us. It was, uh, moisture wraps on blue player. So there wasn't like any super splashy moments in that game. Um, sure. <laughs> the final score was 68 to 62, which is the difference between one DLT unit and a one Z6 unit. <laughs> By score, I yeah, assume M- you mean MOV, points yeah, points destroyed. destroyed. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. he, um, yeah, our evaporators were tied uh, on the very, and those were casualties were both on the very last turn. He he deleted a Z six unit with a stormtrooper, or sorry, with a snowtrooper unit, uh, and then I killed a, a DLT storm with with Leia. Um, so, <laughs> I ask you though, how many like single unit leaders were left on the board? Because I mean, it's a low score, but like, oh no, you guys weren't just holding back. Yeah, and, no, like, we had a lot of not like, doing damage to each other. Units. Um, both my sniper teams were down to one model. Uh, he had the triple sniper pull the strings guardian thing going on with oh, yeah. Um So my CB was just completely ineffective at like eliminating any snipers, and then he basically sniped two of my sniper models. So I, I spent my sniper spent literally the entire game doing dodge and standby behind line of sight blocking terrain. Um, so <laughs> I basically lost and conceded the sniper war on turn one. Ouch. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, right? Good way to start again. <laughs> um, <laughs> but luckily i was i was blue on moisture evaporators which you know as we've talked before is is um is a defensive position so he was it was still even though i you know uh didn't have snipers he was still uh like it was on him to make something happen so he pushed his royal guard up at one point uh like into the center and i moved a z6 out to take an open shot at it and uh, they had already been damaged by like mines and guardian previously um, so they actually killed uh, two IRG models in one shot and left it with just the unit leader. Um, so that kind of like killed his momentum on that push, and he had to he had to burn uh, given to your anger basically to save nice, the IRG. Nice. So um, yeah, that put me in a pretty good like tempo wise. That put me in a pretty good defensive position for awesome. the, rest of the game. So, how how did your other digams go? Um, but it, he um, yeah. Uh, so I also played Gordon Chase and Daniel Lupo in in the middle rounds. Um, Gordon, we did a, uh, uh, it was Breakthrough Disarray, and he had a very similar list to mine, except he had one more activation. Um, it was kind of a crazy game. I ended up with scoring units in both of his zones, um, and the final score, I think, was 7-5. I was able to kill a couple units along the way there, um, sort of kiting with Pathfinders. The Pathfinders were actually amazing in that game. Um, and then uh, Lupo, is the he's the saboteur player. Um, he's basically running Wonder Twins with triple sabs. Uh, and it's a nasty list. Sabs are weird. Um, we played on Bespin, which, if you are familiar with the TTS map, has a lot of like blind corners and tall walls and stuff like that. Um, so, but again, I was in that situation. I was a blue player on Vaps, so he still kind of had to come to me. Uh, but he made like a really strong push on one of my evaporators, and it actually ended up being basically a bloodbath. Um, it was um, it was the closest. Uh, sorry, it was the the messiest game I had as far as like points destroyed. I killed like 400 something points and he killed like 300 something points. So, uh, 
Sabs in general on the Bespin map seem pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, he actually only got I I uh, scoped one early, um, so he actually only got like two meaningful bombs off, uh, which you know in some cases is still enough. Like he had one that hit four units, Ouch, man. <laughs> which hurt. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. I, I gotta ask um, you, did he do that little medic tech on you, or was it just were his Sabs just like so depleted that he couldn't do the the medic thing? No, he, he he did. So I actually I want to talk about yeah, this real yeah. quick because there's actually two things he did with Sabs that were super clever. If um, actually there's a he was on a streamed game on the last chance qualifier with Master of the Force Luke where you can see some of this stuff in action. Um, so the first thing what you talk about with the medics is you run medics or he he runs medics with Sabs. Um, you essentially corner peek with the Sab unit leader, um, detonate a bomb in a good spot. You know it probably kills your own unit leader also. But since they work like a sniper strike team, you know, you then replace essentially the safe guy, the one that's behind line of sight blocking terrain with the unit leader. And then now, you know, that unit leader is behind line of sight blocking terrain. And then you bring it, you bring back the other model with a medical droid and you can place it anywhere in cohesion. So you drop that same medical droid, you know, behind, or sorry, the same, uh, that second model behind line of sight blocking terrain and cohesion. So it's like, it's like a, it's like a detonate peekaboo, essentially. Um, and he did do that once versus me. Um, he also runs him with stims, which makes him pretty difficult to kill in the first place. Yeah, when so. I faced it, he also ran Chewie, which was like the third redundancy. But I think after figuring out that trick with medics, he got rid of Chewie in a hurry and said I could put Luke in my yeah, list. Yeah, it seems like it. Right, exactly. And Luke was a big factor in this game. Also, we we had dueling Luke's. Um, mine came out on top, and Luke was Luke was part of the points destroyed. So. Um, but yeah, the other the other clever thing you did with Sabs for those aspiring Sabs player is um, I managed to line up like an open shot with one of my Z6s against one of his um, his Z6 units. You know, but like uh, like I normally would, and like most players normally would, you try and stay at like the max effective range whenever possible. So I essentially just bumped the range ruler right up against range three, you know, and got exactly range three to the closest model, which was which was in this case not a unit leader. Um, and he had a, he happened to have a proton charge near them. So after I moved, but before I attacked, he's like, I'm detonating this proton charge. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, so he blows it up. He kills one of his models, and he picks up the model that I'm in range of. Um, so now I'm no longer in range of that unit. Oh, clever. Um, yeah, so essentially... It's, it's very clever. clever. Um, you know, a Z6 shot, it was a full squad, so it's four blacks and six whites against them in the open um you know blowing a bomb up on yourself is one red two whites so that's obviously you know slightly better than getting shot by a z6 and also like if he whiffs or um uh you know saves the hit or something like that he now has a suppression token and he's now in cover um against my z6 shot so i thought it was exceptionally clever i was like man that's the coolest thing i've seen someone do with this app yeah so i mean like props at daniel for figuring um, all that out right like that's crazy yeah, he said he's been playing Sabs exclusively since since they came out. Basically, um, he's got he said he's got more than like forty or fifty games logged with Sabs. So <laughs> I'm sure he's got all sorts oh, of yeah. tricks like that that he's kind of like figured out that are super corner case because Sabs are one of those things, mines generally, where you like toss them down and like you end up in these really weird situations that wouldn't come yeah. up otherwise because. Most right. Exactly. Use. Yeah. It was a. It was a. It was actually. I think it was my fun, most fun game of the day because it was the the craziest. Um, there were a lot of like bizarre situations. I did. He also had officer fleets. 
where I did like the force pull them towards my lines with cohesion and then Son of Skywalker them. Um, it tends to happen with officer fleets was, against was, Luke. They tend to just get shredded. Yeah, I mean, it was actually um, at the t- so we had rapid reinforcements and he dropped them in, like, and he was able to do it in a in a spot where he had heavy cover, uh, and they were able to like essentially delete one of my units where he dropped them, um, which is exactly what happened. And then I was at least temporarily on the offense because uh, he was up on points because I hadn't killed a unit yet. So. Um, and being on offensive against a sad player is not a good place to be. That's the literal worst place <laughs> yeah, for <to> sure. Be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, yeah. So that's that's why I did that Son of Skywalker. Uh, you know, essentially I last firsted Luke to get to those fleets because I had to delete something uh, to swing it back, and it it basically went back and forth like that for the last three turns of the game. Um, so it was a pretty crazy game. Uh, that was fun. And then my last game was against Kingsley. Um. I won't talk about too much a because it's on stream so if people want to watch it they can do that um and b because we also talk about it a lot at the end of this episode right so we are in fact interviewing kingsley today uh well we interviewed him it's pre-recorded uh on monday but um we talk about our game so i won't talk about it too much um basically uh my mistake in this game was being afraid to make one (laughs) classic yeah so (laughs) I'm normally like a fairly conservative, like attrition focused player, and Kingsley is also. Um, but he had his his list was primarily different from mine in that he didn't have the Pathfinders, but instead he had a Z6 and a sniper. And then also he didn't have fleets, he just had an extra Z6. So he had like a slight advantage in in terms of range three plus firepower. Um, and the map we played on was that temple map where you have like the two big temple structures on either side. Which are strong positions, but there's also like not really anything in the middle. Um, so I couldn't, you know, I was essentially like committed uh, to a firefight where I was like down two units, you know, because of my fleets and the lack of a third sniper. So um, it was it was something that like I should have realized early that the status quo was not going to work for me, and I needed to just make like an aggressive play from the get go. Um, and I had a couple things like I, I actually managed to line up an alpha strike with Pathfinders on a, on a Rebel Trooper squad in the open. Um, and through a combination of him playing um, uh, my ally as the force to give him a dodge token and then me having a uh, substandard Pathfinder role, I only killed one model. So um, that was a little underwhelming. My Pathfinders generally did pretty well on the day, but that, that was not one of their best games. So. Should have taken Biston. <laughs> I, I think that's where I'm yeah, going. Maybe we can we'll talk see. about Biston at some point um, in the episode. But that's maybe, maybe. Yeah. That's, we got a lot more to cover. But uh, yeah, so to cover. But I don't I don't want to spend too much time on my games. But yeah. that was, that was it was a it was a fun but um, very tight and exhausting yeah, so, day. So folks, stay tuned for the Kingsley interview coming up in the later part of the episode if you want to hear more about that specific game. And also make sure that you look at the... Uh, YouTube stream from the Fifth Trooper for the last chance qualifier for uh, those games as well that uh, Orc mentioned. Yep. Yeah, definitely check out the stream. There's tons or not of last chance, excuse me, high command. Jeez, <laughs> right tournament. Right, you... Gosh. It's all, it all yeah. runs together after well, a while. I you mean, know to be I mean? fair, you guys were on the I last know, right? chance qualifier stream. True. Just, just uh, on the other side yeah. of the desk. <laughs> yeah, you guys were in suits and ties. Yeah. Which was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was the, yeah, you all missed out if you didn't come to the left. <laughs> yep, I had my Star Wars tie. 
my rebel cufflinks. Yeah, my Wookiee awesome. pin. Um, it was the, it's definitely the the less stressful yeah. side of the desk. So. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was me. It was it was it was fun. It was a whirlwind. Um, I kind of just took it one game at a time. Uh, I didn't really have any expectations going in, so I had expectations for you, but that's fine. <laughs> and you met them, so we're all good. We're all good. Yeah, all I'll, good. I'll I'll just second that and say I figured you'd make it. So, <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I appreciate the confidence. So, uh, David, you want to kind of. Talk about your experience at, at High Command. Yeah, yeah. To keep, I mean, I'm not going to talk about the games. I am going to talk about are my losses because those were the more like interesting games. In all honesty, um, High Command, of course, was a really fun tournament to be a part of. Um, we got a ton of swag, <laughs> and uh, all those medals looked really fun. But it's, uh, it looked really fun going on other people's necks <laughs> and not mine. Um, uh, yeah, so. I mean, the first we started off with just the LCQ setup and stream, and that was, you know, I was so happy. <laughs> and I mean, I got to say thanks to Jay and thanks to to Fifth Trooper folks, and of course, you know, to both of you because that was a really cool experience. I got to meet Luke in person. I got to meet so many people in person. So, so I mean, the overall answer to your question, how was your DevCon? It was great. But um, in terms of like when people come to listen for the tactics portion of the podcast, I just want to talk about a couple things. Um, mostly from the games that I lost. I won my first game, and then I, I, my second game, I met Freeman on Bespin, which says, like, oh, great, I got to play Nick Freeman. And then I thought to myself, well, if I lose, Freeman's probably going to 4-0 this tournament, so I guess I'm in a good place. <laughs> um, but uh, basically, he was running this really cool Han Shui uh, Leia list that was really off-meta, but also incredibly strong against what was present like it might have been the most on meta off meta list you know what i mean um but uh during my loss like i, ha- I had the slight lead but then i kind of blundered luke away and i knew that against like Han Leia Chu, i had to blow up his chewbacca because that was kind of the linchpin of his list basically just using chewy to win the sniper war and win the attrition game sure. and then just sort of force you force you over but i gotta say like nick freeman I'm just going to say this. I think he's about 50% mechanically better than the rest of the community. I really do think this. Like, he is very on point with how he's got his his uh, moves planned out, generally speaking. And I think that was really what lost me the game most of all, was just he had his, his positioning just on point and his activation order just on point. And I think if my mechanics were less flawed, I think it would have been a much closer game. And so that was very instructive to me. Just, you know, make sure that you, you know, actually measure every time and be very, very aggressive, like more aggressive than I ever thought was appropriate, I guess, because I come from an X-Wing background where you're specifically told that measuring is not okay. So you kind of got to break that habit, I think, if you're uh, coming from other games where measuring is not allowed. Just, uh, Just be aggressive and measure like crazy. Um, but the fallout of that game ultimately was um, he kind of used my own battle deck against me because his list um, favored Long March and so did mine, but his did it better than mine. So there you go. <laughs> we got Long March Vaps, and he managed to put a ton of pressure on my Vap, even though I, you know, read down his change of plans and was able to, you know, get my Bombard off turn one despite his efforts to prevent that happening. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, that's basically all, all I have to report from that game. I I, I blundered Luke away in a, in a seriously bad move. I put Luke in a very bad spot, and I immediately lost. Essentially, I mean, I held on for two more rounds, but it was still like that was the moment the game had ended. Was when he lost Chewie and I lost Luke. Um, my second game was against a, a no less tough opponent in in Eric Riha, also known as R1H4, um, someone I've played online many times with a palp list. And again, my battle deck kind of betrayed me because I had key positions in my battle deck. Um, I was able to force Disarray, but of course, R1 was able to force key positions against Palpatine. So that's just mega terrible. Um, and yeah, I mean, against, uh, against R1, it was a matter of just, you know, knowing, knowing what terrain pieces are actually going to grant you cover in any given situation. So, and I, and I say this because there were, a few times where a very large piece of terrain, you wouldn't think it would deny you cover, but it doesn't matter. Like if you're both touching the same piece of terrain, even if that piece of terrain's like two feet long, it's not going to grant you cover. You know, and so you can, you think you have a lot of room to maneuver when you really don't. And so that kind of like, it's just, a, uh, you know, knowing the board and re reading the board more accurately was kind of the big lesson that I took away from that. Yeah. I, I mean, just, talking about that specific um, interaction, I, I think that there's um, some room for improvement into how some of the cover rules work like that. Like, uh, like if you're, you know, two feet away from another unit, that's like touching the same terrain piece, technically, I don't know. Uh, you don't get cover. It feels weird. Yeah. The net result is an open DLT shot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like it's, that's it's, the net result. It, it's kind of, I mean, like, I don't know if that's clean upable, but um, I think that that's like something good to talk about your opponent, talk about with your opponent, like prior to the game. Um, Cause like a lot of the terrain rules are kind of just like suggestions. And if you guys were to like agree, like this two feet long terrain piece, you know, if we're within like range two of each other, um, like grants cover but anything beyond that maybe doesn't or something like that yeah it was one of those cases where like neither of us really thought about it until it came up yeah and it came uh, up in the yeah. middle of round three when he pulled the strings on a dlt storm I, I think it's one of those things that um because the game's so new and some of these interactions haven't come up because we haven't i mean let's be real we don't all have the awesome and sweet terrain that was at adepticon to play on every day um some of this stuff just hasn't come up before yeah, it really hasn't. Yeah, and generally speaking, like props to Brendan and everyone else that had a role in uh, like getting the terrain together and set up and everything because it was generally speaking awesome. Oh yeah, um, almost almost without exception. There were obviously there's going to be some when you got thirty two tables, but I loved the uh, there was a board that had like a big Yoda Buddha on it. it was yes, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was awesome looking yeah and then the i think it was the imperial terrain they're sort of they're sort of like landing pad and hangar set with the big tie fighter on it that was right next to that board also incredibly sick and i mean how can we forget also to mention um i think it was jim martin that made the zeta shuttle on the scarif beach that was a really cool one yeah i think it was custom built too like he scratch built that yeah, just just insane the amount of creativity and effort that people put into making these awesome terrains that we all get to to play on and you know be the benefactor of with no like 
contribution, <laughs> you know, <laughs> on our own. It's I, basically charity. So I will say that um, if anybody wants to kind of get like a high octane view of the boards, um, Brendan, the marshal, I believe, um, used his own drone to kind of do like a flyover in the LCQ and high command videos. And we kind of broadcast that during the downtime. Uh, it's really cool. You can like see games in action and stuff. Um, and like action shots of the boards. It's just, if you want to take a look closer, look at the boards, that's a pretty good way to do it. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that's kind of all I want to say about my games. Um, yeah, my last game I kind of just let go because I knew I was one and two, and I just tried to have fun. And I uh, it was a silly little Luke Jin game, and I kind of got schooled pretty bad. So, uh, yeah. So, Mike, you want to talk about your um, your games? Yeah. So uh, I played a lot of games this weekend, guys. <laughs> it was a lot of Legion. Um, so for those that maybe weren't aware, I was not qualified for high command prior to this weekend. So I was very much fighting for my tournament life in the last chance qualifier. Um, so I ended up playing eight games this weekend because I ended up making the cut, which was fantastic. Um, I honestly cannot really remember my games from Friday. <laughs> yeah i mean like i uh you know I, i'm having a hard time even remembering like who i played and stuff um suffice to say uh it, yeah it was very it was very blurry um the end of friday i was i, I was playing bg Moore um from the discord we had a great game it ended up being like a, a breakthrough game where um it was it was clear that like I kind of had an advantage into his deployment zone, and he was trying to play very defensively to knock me out. I think I ended up like winning at like four to zero ish. Um, but it was like one of those situations where had the game gone like another turn or two, he was probably would have tabled me because I was doing a lot of moving and not a lot of shooting. Um, in any case, um, I ended up making the cut for high command, um, which was sweet. It was fantastic. It's um. You know what I've been kind of trying to that, that was kind of my goal for this year was to make it to high command a world's invite would have been really cool but you know ever since that Kyle Dornbos guy you know knocked me knocked me out of high command contention at Nova I've been chasing those <laughs> <laughs> um, so hey, water, water under the, the bridge, bridge now, right? water under the bridge um, I got my sweet Palpatine alt arts so I'm I'm thrilled uh, so on Saturday uh I my opening game was against Stephen McLaughlin. I believe that's his name. I'm sorry, Stephen, if I messed that up. Um, great guy. He's actually, I think, from Richmond. Um, he, I think, might have been the only person playing Jin this weekend, at least a high command. I think. Not positive on that, but it's definitely yep. the only Jin I saw. Um, <clears throat> it was another breakthrough game. I messed it up really bad. Um, Boba at one point had a shot on a unit leader that was alone and lonely and needed to be buried and he didn't do it. So um, I ended up losing by one, <laughs> which was unfortunate. Um, so I started the day off zero, zero and one. Um, I then played, uh, boy, I should remember this, uh, Alberto Paz um, and kind of a rematch from LVO. Um, 
It was a pretty boring game overall. It was sabotage of moisture evaporators. I was blue player. Um, it, it was, yeah, not very remarkable. I ended up winning on tiebreakers. Um, game three, I played Joe DePinto, also from the Chicago group. Has a great podcast called Legion Academy. Shout out to those guys. Um, we played on stream on the High Command Day. And Alex Davey actually commentated a large portion of our game. So check it out. Um, yeah. But, but hang on. By a large portion, you mean Look, man, the entire I'm not I'm not I'm trying to not get too excited <laughs> about it, but it was it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. <laughs> he, Alex Alex was on stream for the entirety <laughs> of round three, which was like yeah. three hours. It's like talking about Legion yeah. and the guys in the booth must have been awesome. in heaven. Right. Like that's that's the dream <laughs> yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, so so um that happened. Uh I beat Joe on stream. Um we were playing a key positions game. You know, I, I think he we talked afterwards. I don't think he felt really good about the list he brought to high command. Um, and, you know, I think he switched some things up, tried to get a little creative and um, it seemed like he wasn't super confident. in it. He, he, you know, he played great. It just I think he was right in that the list maybe didn't support him as well as it, it could have. Um, game four was a kind of make or break my record for three and one it's possible i could have made the top eight um based on tie breaks i don't know if i would have based on how the day shook out had i won that game but i was playing dustin foreign uh it was another game of sabotage the moisture evaporators because i love that objective uh <clears throat> turns out that sabotage the moisture evaporators gets a lot harder when your opponent has a bunch of like recon intel snow troopers with flames of frag grenades um side game didn't go well for me uh because he just burned my guys alive <laughs> it, yeah, yeah it, it ended up so I, I somebody came over to the table like midway through round five and they're like huh that's a mess because we had like nine units engaged in various melees <laughs> um <laughs> like because we were like trying to block each other from the evaporator because what ended up happening was the uh the frag snows made it to one of my evaporators before i finished putting wounds on it um which was clearly a problem uh and it you know we we started tying up each other's units in in the hopes that like they couldn't touch the evaporator, right? So that he, he, A, he couldn't push it farther down and I couldn't push it farther up. And uh, so he, he had more activations than I did um, and it just didn't it didn't work out. Um, I, I think I made a critical error in where I placed the evaporator, specifically because of the flame snows. I, I could have messed with that a little bit and it was a good learning experience from that point of view. Um, but... So I ended up finishing the day 2-2, but I made high command. I was very thrilled with everything. Um, you know, Kyle made it. Uh, our buddy Gordon Chase, who's also in our um, our group that plays at Huzzah Hobbies, made it. So Nova now, you know, is 25% of the field at Worlds. So I am absolutely ecstatic. Yeah, it was awesome. It was, a, it was a great weekend and just you know meeting everybody like a lot of people obviously we met at lvo but there were 
you know, a lot more people that, that we know from the Discord and Facebook that we hadn't met yet that came to Adepticon. So um, it was just great, like, yeah. meeting everybody. It, like, you know, shout out to all the guys that helped Jay on stream uh, Saturday because that was the original plan for me before I made High Command. Um, thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> you really stay. Can, can we quick? Can we quickly relate Luke's tale of sorrow? Like, do we have time? I think for we this? totally do because I think that, that was one of the, the very significant moments of the weekend, and and I want to talk about it too because I think it stresses how awesome our community is. Yeah, it's like super poignant, yeah. right? So, so Luke, um, Luke's from Australia. He does the Master of the Force channel also master of the fleet because he comes from armada generally speaking but he he's he loves legion plays the heck out of it wanted to come to uh america for the adepticon uh high command lcq thing and uh came overseas and he was all he like spent a whole bunch of time traveling internationally with all his minis and then he comes over and uh while he's in an airport in iceland someone uh robbed him and made off with his minis case uh, specific. That's brutal. yeah, totally brutal. So his whole army got stolen on his you know, in at Keflavik Airport in Iceland. I think so, he missed his flight. You know, got, because he was looking. Yeah, for he even it. missed his flight. Yeah, he even missed his flight. Poor guy. And so, like, you know, the whole community responded so open heartedly and warmly to this event happening, and like, he was basically like, uh, you know, some I think Schmidt from from Steel Strategy overnighted him an army to play there's all kinds of like international support coming in for him and people like you know gave him money to buy new stuff and I mean, i'm sure maybe we could have him on to tell you more about it directly but i mean it was just it's such a heartwarming story to see the community come together to support a player who you know was coming from the other side of the world and ended up with such a hard time you know getting there and he still did awesome he went to he went to and two of the lcq and um, you know, even even in his sort of rusty state, like he really hadn't had a chance to play Legion since Wookiees came out. And to go two and two at an LCQ with all the new stuff out there, it's like, wow, that's really cool. And then um then he also had joined us for casting on at High Command. He he went in the booth, he uh, borrowed a suit and just went in there and he did he did great. He was really a joy to have, you know, from uh, what I report more I understand. Yeah, I just think it's like so fantastic that the community stepped up to like help this guy that clearly, I mean, flights from Australia are not cheap, you know? Um, and I'm pretty sure that, you know, the donations and stuff that came in covered a lot of his costs. Um, and it just, it was really heartwarming to know that, that this is like the, that there are paragons in our community that are, are willing to go to these lengths to make sure that, you know, we're all kind of brothers in arms. So, um, Shout out to everybody that that did stuff. Yeah, I don't know all the names of the people that helped, but like, thank you all if you're within the sound of our voices right now, because you're amazing and you're part of what's making the community a really good place to be. He, he was joking that he's going to use this as an excuse to switch to Empire. Uh, actually, <laughs> but I th- but I think he is. Now. Actually, he is. I saw pictures of his of his royal guard painted today. I think he literally is. <laughs> well, there you go. I think the majority of the. Uh, the gifted units were Empire. I think that there was like a couple Rebel units in there, but overall, I think it was almost all Empire stuff. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
thank you, Luke, for for streaming with us on Saturday. Um, I believe you were, you know, we we had Ed and Nerfly and Evan streaming too. Uh, thank you guys for you know streaming High Command. It was fantastic. Um, and and thank you, Jay, clearly for streaming. Yeah, massive, totally. massive props. You're the um, and it was it was it was a great production value. Like we we watched it on the on the drive home. I mean, like Mike watched it in the passenger seat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kyle was not be... watching the videos. He was, he was he was driving. I promise. He, there there were maybe a, maybe a couple snapshots, but uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I was I was driving safely, mostly mostly. mostly. Um, <laughs> don't let your wife listen to this so, yeah i was huge shout out to jay and and, and uh, luke and ed and earthly and evan and everybody else that was involved in that it was it was it was just amazing so all right oh uh yeah so other stuff happened at adepticon too right? <laughs> i think yeah I some, mean, some small news we've, <laughs> we we've talked about everything that happened on friday and saturday but I think there's some stuff that happened Thursday that maybe we haven't covered yet. <laughs> huh? Yeah. So, Colin, uh, you want? Okay. Jay says interview first. All right, we'll do the interview first. So, guys, right. <laughs> hold on to your seats, strap on your pants. We're gonna have an interview with Kingsley, and we will be back after that to talk some Clone Wars. And we're back with Davis Kingsley. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Pretty good. It was a very fun, but also very tiring weekend for all of us, I think. Yep. And you took home the uh, you took home the top prize on uh, high command. Congratulations. Thank you. How, how'd you feel about being on stream like six billion times? <laughs> Honestly, going into the last game, I had requested to not be on stream since I'd already been on there twice. And You're I was just like, so good. Right. Yeah, you know, it ended up it ended up being cool. I had I had requested that they have, you know, they put some other cool game on it, and I play on some table that I hadn't seen before. Uh, but uh, they wanted to have the top matches up there, and you know, I think it ended up being a cool and interesting game anyway. Yeah, I think I think uh, of the two maps, um, I think both of us probably would have had more fun on that other one, but. Um... Yeah. I think the desert map led to more dynamic gameplay. I think the temple map looked better aesthetically, but I think there are a few issues with the terrain on that map. Yeah, it was just a little fiddly. It was very pretty, but um, yes. yeah, some, some mechanical issues, and it created like a... There's kind of a no man's land in the middle of the table too. The Ooh. the number of times that I that I was like bumping my guys or they were sliding down the steps when I tapped it with the measuring stick or whatever it was... Uh, wasn't great. So yeah. <laughs> let's slow down here for a second. This match was between the two of you now, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It you was. guys literally yeah. juked it out. This is this is cool. We've got like both sides of the opposition in this interview. That's pretty fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> is, is this our is this our post game interview? Right. I mean, it might as yeah, well we can be. Turn the, we can turn the camera back on ourselves and take a look at what's going on, or the microphone, as the case may be, depending on where right. we are. Um. So, uh, why don't you run us through a little bit about the the match, Kingsley? Uh, yeah, so we, we ended up playing, it was key positions, major offensive on the temple map. 
Um, major offensive on that map basically means that each side gets one giant temple that's sort of theirs. And we kind of turtled up on our giant temples, taking pot shots at each other for a while. And then at the end, my guys uh, scooted in there on the objective. And that was that. Yeah, it was probably not like a super fun game to watch. Um, there was a lot of measuring <laughs> and, and a lot of like, yeah. sniper shots and random Z6 pot shots. But um, uh, there was there was that big area in the middle that I think I, both of us were hesitant to move into. Um, there were a few there were a few interesting moments despite that um there was a cool move with pathfinders infiltrating to get a shot on like one of my backfield units without them having cover but the the dice did not incredibly I cooperate heard about that for a while <laughs> on the ride home <laughs> i was i was like so excited i'm like i can't believe i pulled off a no cover shot on the rebel trooper squad and then i think i got like one hit or i might have got two hits it was it was three hits, but I had played no time. Uh, I played my allies the force to give them a dodge because I was worried about it. Yeah. So that brought it down to two, and then I made one of the saves, so I that's lost right. one guy. I remember the end result was just one guy dying. Yeah, that's the thing with. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I was. I was like, that's the thing with. Yeah, I was like, right. do all that work, <laughs> and then the dice betray you because they're mostly white dice. I mean the the my the my ally was was a good move in that like yeah the three hits is not so below average on pathfinders with pow you know it's a little bit but like four a little over four is average um that that was also the turn where i was being brave with luke i you know i like actually moved him up and then you had a bunch of guys that were lining up sort of just out of the area and i was like ah, i think i'm gonna go back and then he went back to hang yeah. out on my temple yeah, I, I think i did like a wound to him with some pot shots uh, but that was about it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, I was talking with, um, with Kingsley after the game. I think, I think definitely, and we can talk about your list here in a minute, but your list was built for that kind of exchange. And mine was, um, like a little bit disadvantaged in that setup by comparison. Yeah. And I, I think I, I re the, um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I realized like probably two turns too late that the status quo was not was not one that that was my to my advantage i think i needed to make like an aggressive push almost from the beginning um on your on your right side there and yeah i agree with that i think the um i think that if it had been a different deployment type it might have been more to your advantage like battle lines or something like that where it's more spread out um yep i I think that, uh, especially with the way that that map is laid out, that would offer more opportunities to kind of maneuver behind terrain and try to get the fleet troopers in. Yeah, those fleets actually did very little for me <laughs> over all four games. Yeah, um, I'm the... I'm somewhat known as a fleet trooper hater, but yeah. So, so actually, oh, go ahead, go. Well, I was going to say, go on. Why do you hate fleet troopers? Yeah, I was throwing. Well, <laughs> I guess it's less that I hate fleet troopers and more that I'm bad at using them because almost whenever I play them, it seems like I don't get results. They usually get picked off before they do anything. They do have a really strong attack at range two. You know, I've seen the calculations on your blog, actually, Orchimedes, where fleet troopers are just like the most efficient unit by far. Um, but. The, yeah, it's, uh, it's difficult to set shots up with them. Yeah, it's, you know, if fleet troopers were range three, obviously they would be insane and they would be the only thing you would take. 
but range two is a really big disadvantage, despite the fact that you get a, a very substantial efficiency increase when you do get in. Um, I want to test them out more with strict orders. I think that might be a way to prevent them from getting suppressed, which is one thing that's often kind of their downfall when I'm running them. But overall, I just like the ability to kind of... Uh, it doesn't quite like dictate the pace or whatever, but I like being able to be like, I'm. it's like I'm totally fine to sit back and not move up if I don't have to and just kind of barrage the opponent at a long range. So speaking of strict orders, do you want to uh, just talk about your list real quick? Yeah, so I had a extremely boring list, actually. It was, I had Luke with Push, Mind Trick, and Emergency Stims. Mind Trick is the only kind of unusual thing. Uh, I took it because I had free points. It was nice. It was fairly useful. It wasn't amazing. I had Leia, who had strict orders and improvised orders. Um, again, fairly standard. Not nothing too, nothing too crazy there. I had... Uh, six Rebel Trooper units, all of them had Z6s, two of them had Recon Intel, but four of them were just were just Z6s, no other upgrades. Two of them were the Z6s and the Recon Intel, and then I had three Snipers with no upgrades. So this is almost as boring as it gets. Oh, and I think that comes in at 796. Uh, it's almost as boring as it gets. I had made one change at, like, uh, not quite the last minute, but, like, I think the night before I had decided to not take Pathfinders. I had been playing I had been intending to take Pathfinders and run five Z6s and three snipers, which would have looked a lot more like your list. But I had been getting I hadn't been getting that good results. I don't know I still actually don't know at this point whether or not the issue is me not knowing how to use Pathfinders or Pathfinders actually being bad or what exactly the issue is. But I hadn't been getting great results with Pathfinders. And I know that in theory they're quite strong, but I was like, uh, you know, I think I'm going to go with something that's more reliable. So I ended up going with the Z6 and the third sniper instead of the Pathfinders. Um, then I was originally going to take grappling hooks on one of my sniper teams, but I kind of balked at the last minute on that one also. Ended up not taking it and going for basically just more of a bid. And at 796, I was blue player every game, so I think the the bid worked well for me. I think I would have been blue player none of the games without it also. Uh, so that yeah, was you, that was efficient. Yeah, you beat me by one point. Yep. <laughs> and I was I was blue player in my other three games. So Yeah, yeah. It seems like that seems like the perfect range right there. Um, the value of bidding has, of course, gone down a lot with key positions no longer in the game. Uh, or the old version of key positions where you could put two objectives very close to you and just make them come to you. But uh, there are still some situations where it's quite strong. In particular, I like blue player on moisture evaporators because you win ties. So you can sort of make them have to come and make a play. Yeah, I totally agree with that. There were actually two of my games I was blue as moisture va- yeah, on moisture evaporators. So it does it does make a difference. It's not nearly as bad as key positions was, but it can be. Yeah. It it does put the pressure on your opponent for sure. Yeah, the old key positions, it's like by default it was two to one and you were winning on actual objective points. And with moisture evaporators on blue, it's it depends a lot actually on the on the deployment type also. Um, but you can get it so that the default is kind of four to four where each person does their evaporator twice 
and then you win on tiebreak. But being in a position to win on tiebreak is a lot less stable than being in a position to win on actual victory points. How useful was right, strict because... orders in your list? It was medium. Um, I didn't have... So I had it with Covering Fire, but I ended up never actually playing Covering Fire throughout the event. Uh, so that was that was not amazing. I did have some situations where Strict Orders... Um, I think in the third game, I had a situation where I had Luke, and I was kind of waiting to activate him, and the opponent had put three suppression on him, so I activated and used Strict Orders to get the automatic... Um, get the automatic oh, rally right. in that situation. Uh, so that was kind of nice. Your odds are, your odds are of course better than even to rally at least one on three dice, but I believe it's by no means a guaranteed thing. I think the odds are, Oh, what is it? I think you have a 16. Is that right? Uh, I'm a little I'll, derping I'll, on the. I'll look it up while you're talking. Yeah, I'm a little <laughs> derping on the math here. I think it's um, I think it's actually you have a 19 and 27 chance to make it, so a little bit better than two thirds. Yeah, so if you have a uh, three suppression, you've got a 71 percent chance to rally one of them. Okay, uh, let me see if, let me see if my calculation was right. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, 19 24ths, not 19 27ths. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. It is 1927. So what did you say it was? 71%? 71. Okay. Uh, anyway, that's a cool thing to do. Um, <laughs> so basically, it just makes the thing a little more reliable. And there's a yep. few other things that uh, that it did. I think there was a situation where... I think there were one or two situations where like it, it happened on a trooper unit. But again, you know, kind of a luxury upgrade. Um, originally, I had been thinking about strict orders in order to get Pathfinders so they could use Duck and Cover and then still be reliably not suppressed to potentially take the objective and run. This was back when I was thinking a lot about using the box grab tactic. But I think that tactic did not, be, did not end up being as effective as I was thinking it would be in theory. However, I kept around strict orders because Esteemed Leader hasn't been performing that much for me, and I had some extra points. You mentioned covering fire um, and not playing it, although if I had to say what list was like the most covering firingest list it would be a 6z6 list like yours was it just oh, yeah. opportunity cost mm. no i mean a lot of it was just that games were ending games were ending relatively early um i think my first game my opponent conceded on turn two i don't remember <laughs> what turn the second game got to but i think it was a concede on turn three or four i think the third game was a concede on turn three or four and then the last game, I actually would have played it maybe on that last turn where I think it could have been cool. Um, but I ended up going with standing orders instead because I wanted to stall as much as possible so that my loot could have like the last word on that center key position. What was the game state um, in, in your first game where they conceded on turn two? Oh, <laughs> uh, it was actually absurd. I got very lucky. Um, this was a game where I was playing against a Veers Boba list, you know, pretty standard Veers Boba. Uh, he had like Veers, Boba with Stims and Hunter, uh, five Z sixes, and one of them has a comms tech with comms relay to do coordinated fire. Uh, Imperial Royal Guard with Electro Staff, and they probably had tenacity and environmental gear or whatever, and then two snipers. So just extremely standard list. And I had kind of gotten an advantage on attrition. And it was looking like things were sort of going my way. 
uh, it was again key positions. And my opponent kind of decided, okay, I'm not going to focus on attrition. Uh, uh, I'm not even going to focus on key positions. I'm going to claim my home objective, and I'm going to try to score the bounty with Boba against Luke. And then win on win on tie breaks, having killed Luke and kind of pulling back with other forces. I think that was his plan. And so Luke had taken two wounds, and Boba fired his rocket at him, having aimed and then having Hunter to get double aim. He rerolls into five crits. And I spend a dodge token just to turn on deflect, and I roll three deflects and two blocks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that's, it was it was ridiculous. So uh, not only did he not kill Luke, he didn't even wound Luke, and in fact, his boba took three wounds and got knocked onto his own stims. And at that point, my opponent just conceded, um, which, like you know. Probably it was like technically too early to concede, like he could have come back, but the situation was looking really unfavorable. And I think that was just a demoralizing role to deal with also, especially because he had been sort of planning to go for that bounty rather than going for the normal stuff. And even though he would have had one more turn of using Boba potentially thanks to the stims, uh, he wouldn't have been able to claim the bounty. So that was kind of that. Gotcha. He sort of pigeonholed himself into that strategy and then it just completely backfired. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, if, if the opposite had happened, you know, if I had blanked out on those saves and Luke had been knocked onto stims, it would have been a very different game. Sure. But that is not what happened. <laughs> Probably just wanted to save um, his legs at that point. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a pretty tilting experience, I would imagine. Oh, extremely. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a very lucky situation for me, you know, very abnormal. Um, what would you would you change anything going in, like in hindsight about your list? Uh, this is gonna sound this might sound bad, but like basically no, I think my list was very well positioned for the current meta and environment. Um, I had been con- I think what I would most want to do is I would want to test more and maybe run a very different list because I think this list is sort of boring and I think it's something that people broadly speaking know what it does. like it doesn't really have very many surprises. It just has very high efficiency. I think I would prefer to take a list that was efficient and surprising. And I was working on kind of some alternate compositions, the most notable one being a Leia Chewy Pathfinder build that I think can actually do the box grab fairly safely. But I hadn't played enough testing games with that to feel confident taking it into a very major tournament. And I've played quite a few games with just like standard Wonder Twins, so I decided to go for a more standard list. at LVO, I had fielded a 1.4 FD cannon, but I had dropped that from the composition because at LVO, there weren't really that many vehicles, and I anticipated that there would be even fewer vehicles at this event just based on um, you know, based on what people were running for the LCQ and just based on how the meta had sort of evolved since then. Um, I think vehicles are actually poised to make a comeback now that the tank is about to come out which I think is going to be quite strong. So, you know, we'll see whether or not it remains the case that the that not taking anti-armor is a good strategy. But in this meta, I figured, you know, just taking six Z6s instead of five Z6s and an FD is going to me- enable me to have a somewhat more mobile force and still have a lot of efficient firepower. Um, if If you were to change your list to kind of deal with the tank meta, how would you do that? I don't know. Um, I need to. I need to play testing games with the tank, 
The big question for me with the tank is whether or not its side arc weakness means that you can defeat it with basically normal strategies. I did have one game where I played against an ATRT, and I w it was a rotary ATRT, which is actually kind of dangerous against rebels. But I was able to take it out by just rolling crits against it with Z sixes, and I got I got a little lucky with that. I think I got more crits than his average. Um, his saves were slightly above average, but like I think my crits were more above average than his saves were. Uh, but I think that the big question for me on the tank is whether or not you actually need anti-tank stuff. If so, there's a bunch of different things that are potentially interesting, including, I know people have been talking about this a lot for Invader League, the like Luke-Sabine list. Luke is really strong against the tank because he can melee it in the side, and then he's essentially hitting it with impact 3 and pierce 2. So that's that's actually very, very powerful. You know, you're not going to kill it in one hit, but that's going to do substantial expected damage, even though it's an armored target. And yeah. if Sabine can jump into the side arc herself and kind of do a similar thing, it could easily be the case that that sort of composition is sufficient without long-range anti-tank. In terms of long-range anti-tank, I do think the FD is the best option that the Rebels have at present. But again, it's going to depend on what loadouts are popular with the tank. If people are putting that RT-97C Pintle on there so that they can just sit back and shoot at range 4, it's possible they'll be able to play around the FD fairly easily, and that won't necessarily be the best solution. Yeah, it strikes me that yeah, the FD fun. cannon is immobile, and so you don't have a chance to respond to the movements of the tank. You're just sort of you know, at the mercy of wherever your opponent decides to turn the arc. Yeah, I'm pretty now I'm pretty sure that if the FD just sits there and shoots into the front armor of the tank, it will actually be like pretty efficient at damaging the tank. So I don't really think it needs the side arc per se since it already has uh, two points of impact. But I think that there's a chance that a good opponent will be able to play around it. I don't think the tank is going to see use primarily as a transport. I think it's actually just a good fighting unit. And as a result of that, I don't think it like needs to come to you in the same way that like an ATST needs to come to you to be able to use its grenade launcher and be efficient. So, are you uh, what units or upgrades are you looking forward to that are like coming out in the next few months? I know you uh, obviously. You the thing that I'm most excited for for rebels, uh, I mean, I think I think like the obvious easy answer is clones. Um, I think Clone Wars is going to be really exciting. I have several friends in the local area who have not gotten into the game yet, but have been talking about potentially getting in once Clone Wars stuff comes out. I'm going to try to host an Escalation League at the local store where we sort of uh, start at a smaller points value so that people who are getting into it with clones can like you know use a corset-type army and kind of build up as we go. Um and so that's the most exciting thing. In terms of things that I want to like play in my current armies, I think that the most interesting of the currently previewed units for me is actually the Tauntaun Riders. I think those uh, the models are really cool. They're actually much bigger than you might expect. Like uh, I saw the preview models, and unless they were showing us like three ups or something, which I think would be extremely crazy, uh, I think that the, the Tauntaun models are much larger than you would expect. Uh, they're like yeah, they're... probably comparable. They're like a little bit smaller than an ATRT, but like less, less so than you might think. Yeah, they had some actually at at the FFG um, uh, booth in the vendor hall in the yep. case there, uh, and they are they are quite sizable. Yeah, I remember they were next to the Landspeeder, and the Tauntaun riders were like substantially taller than the Landspeeder. 
the um I th- yeah, I think that's a really interesting unit. I see it as basically similar to the Imperial speeder bikes, but probably a lot better. <laughs> because they their move is not compulsory, so you can choose to hold them back until the right moment, whereas speeder bikes have this problem where they often kind of rush in. I like being able to be conservative and hold back my forces when necessary. Um, but the Tauntaun strike me as a option for kind of a flanking unit or like a response unit that is strong and not too expensive. Um, on the Imperial side of things, I'm probably most excited about Bosk. Bosk seems really cool. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, for Invader League Season 3, I'm, I'm doing a Freaky Friday and playing Empire. Uh, oh, I had considered doing that myself. I think Empire has more interesting stuff to test right now. I'm a skeptic, I'm a yeah. skeptic on the Land Speeder. I don't think the Land Speeder is going to prove good. But we'll have to see. Yeah, I agree. The weapons look just too expensive. Unfortunately. Man, you guys are just a bunch of haters. Yeah. God. Look, I mean, I don't know. I look at the Landspeeder Medium Blaster, and, I, and I'm like, okay, so this gun costs more points than the ATRT Rotary. It has Surge to hit instead of Surge to crit, and it has four dice instead of five dice. That just seems objectively bad to me. Um, and I say that I, I consider the ATRT Rotary to be overpriced itself. Um, so the Landspeeder... Now, the Landspeeder does have a whole lot of resilience over the ATRT, but I don't think, I don't know that it's enough, you know? We'll, we'll have to see how it goes, but I think the guns are not priced at kind of the range that I would want them to be at for me to be excited to use the unit like that uh, in competitive play. And I hope that I'm proven wrong. I hope the Landspeeder is actually really good, but, you know, we'll have to see, we'll have to see how things pan out. I think the transport rules are uh, pretty mediocre. I don't really see a lot of reason to transport models. Um, in particular, uh, the fact that you can't shoot out of the transport vehicle makes it a lot less exciting than it could be. I have to say I came to roughly the same conclusion recently in my own kind of list building, theory crafting, you know, where do I go from here now that Adepticon's over? Yeah. Um, you know, if the transport rules don't let you transport the coolest things that could be transported, then you have to look at using it as a gun platform, and then you run smack into the same cost issue. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do think, so I do think you can put Luke in it and get Luke up the board faster, but the thing that I really dislike about that is that I think the, I believe that the land speeder is a lot more vulnerable than Luke is. And if the land speeder is, because the land speeder, like, yeah, sure, it has armor, and maybe you take the pilot to give it cover. So you can uh, you can be at cover two and armor two and ignore the first four, first four hits, but it's still a white defense die with surge that you're going to be rolling against, like, the random crits that get in, and it makes you substantially bigger and harder to hide. So I think putting Luke in the land speeder is actually pretty dangerous relative to just running him on foot. And as a result of that, I'm kind of skeptical of, you know, we'll tr- we will try have to see. I want to try it out. I want to run like a list with one land speeder where, you know, maybe it's inefficient, but it's not so bad. And we'll test out, you know, we'll put Luke in there and we'll see if like advancing Luke that extra amount forward makes enough of a difference for it to be worth it. But as it stands, I don't think... I'm a very efficiency focused player. Like you can, I guess you can see that from my list where I'm just taking, you know, Z sixes, which are very efficient shooting units, snipers, which are very efficient shooting units and Luke and Leia, who I consider to be probably the two best commanders in the game. 
And that seems um, to be the dominant mode right now in terms of just list building generally. And uh, there's some people, I think, right, that would say, well, it should be because we're playing a numbers game, essentially. But then, I don't think it's the only mode. I think that, right. like, if you look at Nick Freeman's list, I think that that isn't a list that's based on maximizing, like, notional efficiency, but he still did very well with it. I mean, that, that list does, though, have a, a ton of, like, well... Efficiency is internal to itself. You know what I mean? Like it has the hunter snipers. It has the, um, you know, interaction between Han and Chewie. It has the interaction between Chewie and snipers. You know, it has a lot of like built-in redundancies. Yeah, I'm not saying it's like I'm not saying it's like an inefficient list or like a totally janky list or no, whatever. No, no, no. But you know, I take Z sixes on my squads and I don't take extra troopers because the Z six is more efficient than the extra trooper. So taking the Z six makes you more efficient. And taking the extra trooper brings you back more towards the basic efficiency level, which is lower. So he was using both of those, which gives him a more reliable way to punch through cover, even if it's like less overall efficient. I don't think that's necessarily bad, but that's just like not the thing that I'm most inclined to do. Oh, okay, okay. So like, if to maybe to put it in a more direct terms, if I were going to play a Han, a Han, Leia, Chewie list similar to what Nick was playing. I would probably end up on 11 activations instead of 10 activations, dropping a bunch of the upgrades to take one more unit. Uh, and I think I, I think I mathed it out. And if you dropped the hunter and recon on the three snipers, that's 24. And then you drop four extra troopers, so that's 64. And then that's the 62 points that you need to buy another Z6 unit. You would be correct. Um, yes. Yeah, so that's uh, that's the, that's sort of the type of thing that I think about when I'm making a list. Just going for like straightforwardly, like efficient, relatively unupgraded units and taking them in large numbers. What was that? What was that quote? It's I think it's attributed to Joseph Stalin, and I don't know if it's actually a real quote, but <laughs> it's like quantity has a quality all its own. That I've philosophy that has done well for me. That philosophy has done well for me in Legion. Do you have any other uh, like highlights from your games over the course of the day? Uh, uh, let me think about that. Oh, yeah. In my second game, this was also on stream. This was the other game that was on the jungle table. There was a very interesting situation where my opponent had pathfinders that were kind of hidden behind a little like temple structure. So what I did is I had Luke go to them and force push them out into the open and then charge them on my side of the temple so that I could get into melee with them and kill them and still be on my side to have to be have blocked line of sight or at least heavy cover from his shooting. So I did that, and he responded by force pushing me onto his side of the temple with his Luke. And then he, he did Son of Skywalker, he meleeed me, he ended up putting me on my stims, and I recovered and force pushed him back onto my side of the temple <laughs> and went in there and swung at his Luke. I think I only did like one wound with my Luke attack, but now he was on my side and I was able to shoot a bunch of stuff and kill him. So basically we had traded Luke's except my Luke had also finished off his pathfinders. And from there I, I kind of, it was evident that I was going to begin retreating and my opponent conceded because it was going to come down to victory points. Thanks to uh, moisture evaporators. So I thought that was a I thought that was an interesting uh, play or series of plays by myself and the opponent that sort of go to, went to showcase the power of force push, which is, in my opinion, a completely overpowered card. Uh, 
I don't know what the appropriate cost for force push is, but I think it's at least 20 and it might be more than that. I think 10 is just, it's auto include. Um, at least on people who can move fast. There's an argument for yeah, not taking it on Vader, but honestly, I think you want it on Vader also. And probably you don't actually take it on Palpatine because that's not really his like main mode of interaction. Yeah, that's how I feel about but it. But on people who can move fast, force push is silly. You know, I think if Obi-Wan has the ability to move fast, then force push is probably going to be a very common upgrade on him as well. Yeah, I, th- I feel like when I don't take Luke, I miss Force Push more than I actually miss like Luke's lightsaber. Yeah, you know, that's one of the main things. People have been talking about taking Sabine instead of Luke. You know, Sabine has, like, people have been talking about, like, the Leia Sabine list. I don't know if there's, like, a catchy name for that. Um, but the Leia Sabine list, I I don't know. You know, I look at Sabine and it's like, Sabine is probably tougher than Luke. Um, she's a little more vulnerable to getting bad rolls, but you do have that two thirds save instead of the one half save and you don't have to, you know, you don't have to rely on deflect to get the save improvement. And then she also has nimble. Um, but I don't know, you know, uh, force push has a lot of power. Force push has a lot of power. That's why you don't take it. I also like Luke's command cards. Sorry, what was that? Well, you don't take her instead. You take them together. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. So people have been talking about Luke and Sabine, and that's actually a list that's pretty interesting to me. We'll have to see how that does. Um, to me, that seems a little aggro, but I could be wrong. I often play Luke pretty aggressively, but I also like having the ability to sit back and shoot if need be. Yeah, Sabine can't really do that. Her, yeah, her I like gun. to be... I mean, I don't know. I guess you can kind of play her like Boba Fett and like jump her on top of buildings and use Gunslinger and whatever. But I like being able to say, like, okay, man, you're the one who's going to have to come to me and I'm going to... Because I have more of an ability to pick off your guys at a long distance than you have an ability to pick off my guys. So you're the one who needs to kind of make the play in order to cause this game to go your go in your direction. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, actually, um, so there's there's one thing I wanted to point out actually about that game, which was a rule that I might have got wrong during the game. Um, there's been a big discussion on the Discord server today about whether or not you can move to touch difficult area terrain without actually going into it, um, and or and you, whether you can do that to avoid slowing down. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that was a deal with. Uh with those heavy cover ruins on the one side of them. Yeah, there was like the overgrown ruins that were played as area terrain. And there was a point where you were wondering whether or not you could move up and like go there. And I was pretty sure you couldn't, but it sounds like it's possible you can, at least if these arguments people are saying are right. I still sort of think it's the other way, but you know, we're going to have to wait for the devs to clarify it. Uh, In any case, my apologies if I ended up misleading with that rule. it's okay. I don't think it would have made a difference at all because, um, you know, you were still on your temple thing, which would have still given you heavy cover even if I'd moved up to... Uh, to yeah, I think I had moved one squad off under the assumption that you couldn't do that. So I guess if it had been clarified that you can, that you can do that, if that's the way the reeling ends up going, I would have just had them stay on the temple instead and been even more boring. Yeah, <laughs> um, <or if> I'd <laughs> been surprised by it. I guess those guys would have died on like turn four instead of turn five or whatever. But I think the overall outcome was not that swung by it. But I wanted to highlight that as something that I had potentially gotten wrong. Yeah, 
Um, um, hearing how short your other games were, I'm sort of proud to have lasted until turn five. Yeah, no, no, no it, was, uh, it was actually the longest and closest of my games, probably. Um, let me think about that. Yeah, I think that's no, accurate. I'll, I'll I guess I guess the second the second <laughs> game was kind of closer in that there were like a bunch of important dice rolls and stuff going on, but once those went my way, the game was no longer close. It was like basically like okay, now we know what's going to happen. Uh, yeah, it's complicated. It's hard to really determine like what closeness is or whatever in this game. Yeah, especially if things swing early. You know, you can have some really important developments early that cause a huge swing. Yeah, so in that game, the like, the big question was whether or not all my shooting was actually going to be able to kill his Luke, because if it didn't, he had like a reasonable chance to get away back around the corner, and then I have to come to him, and the situation doesn't look so good for me. But after I did, in fact, get his Luke, then it was like, okay, so now things now things are looking pretty now things are looking pretty nice on my side. Um, so they haven't actually told us, I think, like when Worlds is, but. Uh... I think I'm, somebody I'm, told me it was late in June. Yeah, I think that was the original date, but I remember. Um, oh, is it shifted? Something like it was going to shift. Yeah. Well, they're they're paying for the they're paying for the flight, so I'm you know yeah. if they want to wait until <laughs> if they want to wait until the week before and pay more money for my flight, you know what of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think my wife would be happy about that, but uh... no, it's true. Yeah, there's other stuff like I don't know. You know, it'd be good to know so that I don't end up committing to teach at workshops or whatever that are going to be in conflict. But, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. I'm personally looking forward to Worlds. I, I, they also haven't really said what the format of Worlds is. Uh, you know, it's eight people. So one thing they could do is just like, okay, Worlds is three games. You know, it's just like a single elimination bracket. I'm personally hoping that it's at least like double elimination or round robin or something, but we'll have to see how it goes. I think that's way more interesting. Yeah, I would, I would, I agree. I would love to see round robin. I mean, they have us at least originally. They they were gonna have us there for like two or three days, so I yeah. don't know why you wouldn't do round robin if that's the case. Yeah, you you could do it pretty easily. You know, do four games one day, three games another day. That's like that's a totally that's a totally maintainable pace. Especially totally. since if the whole event is eight people, you don't need as much of a break in between rounds to figure stuff out. All right, man. Well, uh, you guys got any other questions for Davis? Nah, man. Good job. It was a uh, it was cool seeing seeing you <laughs> rocket uh, offline as opposed to just online for once. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. My my apologies uh, for doing it with a comparatively boring comparatively boring <laughs> setup. I hope to. Hope to try out some more innovative strategies in the future. We'll be looking for you running tauntauns alongside that land speeder. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot. Uh, we'll we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I don't think that's in that's what's in the cards. But if if that did end up being good, I would be really pleased. Actually, I'd actually love to be able to run like you know in in Warhammer 40k. There's like a very wide diversity of armies. I don't like Warhammer 40k that much. But one thing they do that's cool is that there's like sort of an army for all kinds of different play styles, if that makes sense. And one of the armies in there is Dark Eldar, who are like, they're basically Dark Elves. And they are very fast and very fragile, but they can sort of go almost wherever they want. And they have a lot of kind of like mobile glass cannon type units where they're very fast and they're hard hitting. But if the opponent can like get them in their sights, you know, you're not going to do so good. 
And it would actually be really cool to me if you could do like a rebel list that had a bunch of, you know, a bunch of tauntauns and speeders and stuff like that. And it was like very, very mobile. And you could sort of pick, you know, you could try to find a weak spot in your opponent's setup and like really get everyone moving in there and isolating that. That would be a very cool thing, in my opinion. Unfortunately, I think the land speeder is not really very functional as a transport. So I don't think that that uh, it, that's going to be the main part of that. But we'll have to see how things go. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, it sounds like we may have some time over the next few months to experiment. So I'm, I'm curious and excited to see what you come up with. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that was uh, Davis Kingsley, winner of a high command at Adepticon. Oh, one other thing I'll say. I said this at the event, too. Like, I'm technically the winner, but I'm the winner based on strength of schedule. It's sort of arbitrary. Like, Nick, Nick Freeman and I were both undefeated. Um, I don't think that I like meaningfully did that much better than him. I just like went up against opponents who did slightly better themselves. And if anything, he deserves, he deserves some kudos for going undefeated with a quite off meta list. As opposed to me, who is about as on meta as it gets. (laughs) Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Yep. Exactly. Right. So that was our interview with uh, Davis Kingsley, uh, the uh, winner of High Command Invitational based on his 4-0 record and the strength of schedule. Um, so I believe we owe everybody a conversation about some awesome Clone Wars reveals. Uh, so the thing that I, I was most stoked about, I have, I have previously lamented, um, you know, coming from a a GW hobby background on just the customization, customability, customability. I don't know. There's a word in there. Um, Customizability. Customizability. There There we go. go. Thank you, David. Um, Welcome. Of the Legion miniatures or more accurately lack thereof. Uh, So the biggest thing for me was that all the, all the CIS stuff is going to be on hard plastic and that they're moving to that essentially as a business model from here on out. So, for maybe our viewers that have never worked with hard plastic before, what does that mean, Kyle? So um, the stuff that your Legion models, for the most part, except the vehicles that uh, are currently made out of, is PVC, which is like soft plastic. You know, you might notice that those sniper rifle tips or Luke's lightsaber get kind of bendy, with, with, like in heat, or uh, um, you know, sometimes when you take them out of the bag, like you got to actually run them under hot water and straighten it out and bend it. And sometimes it bends back um and like sometimes the arms don't fit properly and you gotta fill those things with gaps and there's mold lines and you know generally speaking like it's a little bit easier probably to just slap something together but making it look good from a hobby perspective is a whole nother challenge um hard plastic allows you to do basically like much more detail uh, and also allows for a much greater range of poses because it's more stable and stronger and you can make like thinner um support structures so you know the b1 droids um and alex said this in in an interview on stream he essentially said like they would have been impossible to do with pvc just because those models are so you know like their legs and their arms are so spindly and thin um so a lot of people that aren't used to hobbying are like you know i got to cut these things off sprues i got to put five pieces together instead of three um, personally, I think this is a great development for the game because you can have every single one yeah. of your B1 droids can look different, all 36 of them. 
you know, if you want. Uh, and Grievous, I, I can't I'm wait. so excited. And Grievous has like, but... you know, like five different arm options, and they're all on ball joints, so you can, you know, like wiggle them around and pose them and give them two arms on one side and one arm on the next and a gun or two. You know, it's like there's just an infinite number. Cape or no cape. Uh, right. <laughs> so I'm definitely going for cape. Um, yeah, like I, I've got the like the soft plastic Krennic model in front of me that I just opened um, like a day or two ago. Like it would be really difficult to like cut the cape off this model to make it look like anything else. You know, this is, this is going to be open up a world of possibilities. Yeah. And just like more broadly, it also is indicative of FFG's commitment to the game because hard plastic is more technically difficult and much more expensive to produce. So it, it essentially means like from an infrastructure and personnel perspective, Fantasy Flight has invested, you know, like actual capital in setting up the necessary procedures and technical personnel and, you know, manufacturing infrastructure to actually produce hard plastic for Legion. So um, I think it's a great, you know, it, it means that FFG is invested in the future of the game, which is a great sign to me. Thank you, FFG. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it, this is literally like my only complaint with the game. Uh, the mechanics are excellent compared to other miniatures games, but I was like, man, I really wish that the minis were poseable and had better detail. And you, thank you. Oh, incoming, because you're getting just that yep. with the spruce. Right, exactly. And Alex said that they, uh, at least they have tentative plans to like go back and redo everything that's been released so far eventually in this hard plastic um which is just boggles my mind a little bit um because that's also like a pretty heavy investment to like redo all your molds and all that jazz for for miniatures that have already been released um it's just it's just it's crazy a, it's a great sign for the future of the game yeah yeah it means they're in it for the long long haul yep it and short term, it means that, like, uh, despite, you know, I know that some people in some markets have been like, oh, we don't have a ton of people to play Legion around here. People are buying this product or else they would not be invested in it. Yep. Um, and and I, which, I bet everybody knows or most people know someone that said that they're interested in the game, but they're going to wait until Clone Wars comes out. Quarter three. Ish. Ish. Yep. I'm so excited. So that, said, uh, so that said, if you're an experienced player, you should adopt a newbie once they get into sure. the game and, and be their shepherd. Split a core with a newbie. In fact, members of the community out there, you should probably take up the banner on that one. Split a core box with a newbie. Yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna find someone to split a core with because I want those I want those droids. Yeah, Kyle in the car asked me like at least twice. He was like, "So you want to split a core box?" I was like, "No, I'm playing Republic and CIS. Right, Go find both. someone else." <laughs> I'm sure that there will be somebody out there that will heed my uh, heed my call. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe I'll split one core box with yeah, you, we'll, but I'm getting three because because <laughs> Grievous is poseable and I can have three to look different. Um, I've actually been trying to think of ways to magnetize his arms so you can just like move him around whenever you want. That would have playability issues. I don't think I'd ever use that in a tournament, but um, 
you know, that'd be fun to like attach his gun for one game and like the lightsabers for the next. So I got, so I want to, you know, step aside here for a second and talk a little bit about the potential ramifications this has on competitive play. And I don't mean negative ramifications. Ramifications are generally have negative connotation, but um, I think this opens the door for uh, like just using completely unique models for, for like character stuff. I know some people have already sort of tested the waters on that. Um, and with the, the new like alt Darth Vader, we're getting from star Wars celebration. Like, we haven't got anything official on if that's going to be legal or not. But if all of a sudden you can pose your B1 battle droids however you want, it would seem to me that like you could go back and like completely pose Luke so that his lightsaber is not sticking straight up in the air. Yeah, I mean, well, it remains to be seen how the competitive community is going to address that um, sort of thing. But yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I mean, you look at games like... 40k you know where every model is posable and hard plastic for the most part um except for those poor aspect warriors and uh <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they're still in metal they're still in metal sculpts yeah. sorry yeah. eldar um, <laughs> and uh you know like the the reason that that this is such a hot topic in legion is because when you buy luke skywalker he only comes one way right with his lightsaber sticking straight up in the air but if luke skywalker came with you know ball joints on the arms and four different arm options like there would be there would be no right way to pose luke so it wouldn't even be a conversation right. you yep. pose luke however yep. you want and you go from there like um so i think i think you're right i think generally speaking this is certainly on the new models you know this is going to open up a lot of customization possibilities um you know it, it remains to be seen how this is going to apply like quote unquote retroactively from like a TO perspective, but I, I have a feeling that you're right. I think this is going to open up a lot, which is great from a hobby perspective. Um, you guys got anything else on? Uh, I mean, that, so they, they actually did like preview some of the, um, some of the fuzzy text and rules and stuff in, in the articles, but um, we can save that for another cast because that's like a whole nother. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, that's there, virtually a whole other episode. Yeah. By itself. there's a lot to unbox there. Yep. Suffice to say, we got what Phase One clones, Obi Wan Kenobi, that speeder looking thing. We got General Grievous. We got B One battle droids, and we got Droidekas, also Dro- Dro- known as Roly Boys. Droidekas. I've always called them Droidekas, but yeah, maybe we just all need to call them Roly Boys. A rolly voice is probably the best one. Um, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. He oh, so <laughs> a couple of things also. That, I mean, you should just check out the stream. But Alex talked about like their mechanics and stuff like that. Um, yeah, in that thirty-minute interview before um, LCQ, yep. he he really like kind of delved into some of the stuff we can look forward to. Yep, it sounds like it's gonna be really yeah. interesting and neat. So. Yeah, he he talked about a bunch of like mechanics and stuff that just i don't know really cool really cool you should check it out fifth trooper youtube yep totally watch all also, 24 those hours mad, those mad screen. fools those <laughs> mad fools hello there as a command card now yeah oh <laughs> uh, hello there the memes the memes are gonna be awesome <laughs> they're so yeah. real i mean that's the best part about the clone wars right is that you've got like all these like maybe not so great 
quotes that are great quotes because they're just memes. Yep, totally. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're memes at this point. Now your memes are command cards. Yep. Right. So Take you can let your memes be dreams. Let your memes <laughs> on be the dreams. tabletop. Um, <laughs> do we want to let's do we want to hype Invader League season three real quick before we close this? Of thing course, out? we want to yes. hype Invader League season three because we got some awesome stuff going on. Also, quick shout out to LJ. Thank you for putting continuing the Invader League train. We know it's a lot of work, but we love it. Keep doing it. Yep. Yeah, so now there's like, what, 13 U.S. groups of six? So that's a lot of players. I think we've got over 100 people this year, or, yeah. or very close to it. Yeah, there's yeah there's 13 groups. So what's 13 times six? Uh, I want to say 78. But there's also, there's also EU groups, EU groups too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it is over 100. I, yeah, that sounds right. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, it's over 100 people. That's a lot. So we're going to be streaming. I'm going to be streaming a bunch because, you know, you have base as a Twitch channel. So uh, there's also like a, a bunch of new streamers that have joined us. And so this IL3 continues to the trend of growth. More people coming into the game, more people playing, more people watching. So it's going to be a really great time. And uh, if you haven't joined the Legion Discord yet, you should go join it. Um, you could ask uh, on Facebook for an invite link. Or um, you know, just find it through through uh, Google Legion Discord, and you can also go to yavinbase.wordpress.blog or sorry.com if you want to just uh, get a, an invite link through my webpage. But um, you know, just uh, come check it out because it's going to be really really sweet. Um, and now, what's this in the show notes about Freaky Friday? Oh boy, here it comes. <laughs> so, Kyle, you can go first. All right, so uh, I am not playing Rebels for <gasps> like three blasphemy i know so i wanted to get um i wanted to get a view from the other side so to speak so i'm gonna mess around with empire for um at least from very league i'm sure i'm gonna end up playing rebels again for worlds um because i don't have any empire models at the moment <laughs> yeah we can we can give some of you oh, i know i know that's an easily fixable problem uh, if, I, <laughs> if i so chose but um i'm i'm still a rebel at heart but i wanted to mess around a little bit so um, we're going to try Empire for Invader League and see how it goes. Come join the dark side. Yeah, and you're so disappointed. And you're joining the light side. I am. I, I'm, I get to be a traitor for a month. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> um, yeah, frankly, I there's a lot of... Don't get me wrong. The stuff for both factions that's like in the pipeline here is super cool. Like, Bosk looks great. But... The Rebel stuff kind of just uh, is much more intriguing to me, and I kind of wanted to mess around with it. I think Luke Sabine's going to be really good. I'm really excited about that. I think the uh, people are the the slipper or something. X34. Celestial. <laughs> Celestial <laughs> slipper. Terrestrial, Terrestrial slipper. Terrestrial slipper. Yeah, same thing. Um, you know, people are a little down on it, but I actually think it's pretty good. Um, so I might play a little of that. Uh, I think that the rebel lists generally have a lot of interesting like range four options now um, that they didn't have access to previously between like Pathfinders, the X-34, they got snipers, they got a bunch of stuff and I think um, it can make for like a really cool list. Um, and I'd, I'd kind of like want to play around with like the transport option on the X-34 too because I think there's some 
a lot of people are dismissing it, but I think there's some really cool things you can do with it. It um, does look really fun. And like I did some math on some of the loadouts for it. It does hit like a, it hits pretty hard. I almost said like a truck, but that's kind of what it's supposed to be. <laughs> there's no wheels. I'm excited to see someone like try and, you know, blow up a sad model so that they can fit it in the X 34 and then do like a suicide bomb with the sad. Is is that actually how that works? Like if you kill a dude, like he can, and like you have it, like for instance, let's say you have like a, a rebel trooper unit that only has a unit leader. Can they jump in? I think so. I don't see why not. Hmm. I don't, it doesn't say anything about maximum I, unit size. It just says one small base mini. Wow. So theoretically, like theoretically. if you were trying to not lose on points, you could like throw a rebel trooper unit and run away. Yeah. <laughs> Not that that sounds particularly good, but yeah, because um, he can still die while he's in it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, he's gonna suffer a wound with the land speeders wounded thanks to the yeah, but like rules. cover two armor two is like way more defense than he would have on the table. That's true. Uh, crits don't care. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> crits don't care. Sure. That's gonna be the hashtag for the X thirty four. Yeah, crits yeah. don't care. Pretty much. Well, you know. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just looking forward to doing something like move, move, move on the last action of one turn and then like move, shoot, and then like Han disembarks and gunslingers a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah, uh, I'm digging that. Idea too. <laughs> like, like, I just love that from a theme perspective. I'm picturing Han like sliding across the hood, you know, Dukes of Hazard style and just like, yeah, popping. like firing both his guns. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, theoretically, you could go move, move, move. Uh, could you could you do two moves before you disembark? Does the compulsory move count as a move for the transport rules? It, it does. I think it does. Yeah. Okay, so you couldn't double move, so you couldn't do five, but you could do four, conceivably. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like a long way. On it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that is it's like a, a really long that's way across the table, basically, like the yeah. long way. You know, and you like you like do that, and you like re- so you've got like an uplink on the speeder, and you play like reckless diversion the turn that Han gets out of the speeder, yep. and and so the the speeder goes, and then Han goes and he's like gunslinging things, hopefully behind some heavy cover at range two, along with the speeder who's gunning other things down and they have to like shoot something over there. Um, I just, it's, it feels so like scoundrelly and Han to me that it just sounds really cool. I wonder if the people would ever mod the land speeder to look like the car from Solo. That'd be cool. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I bet somebody will try that. Um. Yeah. So, anyways, that's why I'm playing Rebels. I think it's gonna be awesome. Unfortunately, it sounds like Tauntauns won't be legal at least until Don't. elimination stage. Though I think they're also really good. Um, yeah, I agree. But uh, also, they look awesome. They had them. Uh, they had the physical yeah. models at Adepticon. So, if you haven't seen those pics, take it, check them out. All the physical models at Adepticon looked amazing. Yep. We got to see the Grievous. We got to see all the Clone Wars stuff. It just, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, totally. All right. 
Is that are we are we wrapping for today, gentlemen? <laughs> I mean, we could talk about Adepticon for like three episodes, but yeah, we really could. I didn't even. We actually... probably will talk about Adepticon for three episodes. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't actually <laughs> like, talk about my list at all either. <laughs> yeah, no, not that, not that it's been a secret, but um, I ran the same yeah. thing I've been talking about. But we can we can save that for another episode. Um, I'm sure that people want to see the top eight lists as soon as we have those. We'll let you guys know um yeah but yeah so next we've we've got some special stuff planned it should if everything pans out the way we want it to be a pretty special episode overall um so we're looking forward to that i guess we'll probably tease it over the course of the next week or so yep um so stay tuned on facebook and the discord and and stuff for updates uh anything closing before we we get out of here guys no i'm i'm super stoked for the next few months of legion and the future of the game in general like likewise man it's uh it's gonna be amazing sweet so uh that's our episode today guys uh thank you for listening we're the notorious scoundrels i'm dash I'm Kyle, a.k.a. Orchimedes. And I'm David, also known as Endless. Have a good one, guys. Join us next time for another edition of the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. This has been a Fifth Trooper production.